Blog Talk Radio. Hey, good morning and welcome to Bucko Booth. My name is Benson Fector. I'll be your host on the show today. We have a very exciting show lined up for you, and I'd like to thank everybody tuning in, no matter how you're doing it. Let's do our quick weekly recap, as we've been doing most weeks. And to be quite honest, uh, you know, Saturday, we got the win against the Giants in these last five games we've lost. All five of them. Not good stuff, and definitely not good stuff to get shut out two nights in a row by the Cubs by the same exact score of one and nothing, and to ground into a tying seven double plays last night. So not some fun stuff for your Buckos this week, but there definitely were some bright spots. We're going to get into the bright spots, and we're going to get into a lot of stuff on the show today, so just stay patient with me, and we will get to all of them. So right now what we're going to do is we're going to dive into our weekly awards, uh, as always. So our player of the week was Josh Bell. This week he batted 200. That's four for 20. One home run and three RBIs. And the real reason why I'm picking him for this award is because nobody really had a good offensive week. That's just the truth. And Josh Bell, he's finally starting to get his power back. Uh, He hit a home run on that Saturday game. He has three RBIs, which is the most uh, over the course of the past week. And it's really just because the offense has been anemic and we haven't been scoring anything. We haven't had any big hits, really. Uh, It's frustrating. For sure, it's frustrating to, I mean, see 18 innings of baseball without any runs scored. But uh, Josh Bell, he's starting to look better at the play. He's starting to get that power stroke back. If we can get him hitting bombs again, that lineup starts to look very, very dangerous, and he's a big piece in there when he's batting in the cleanup bowl. Our pitcher of the week is Chris Archer. Uh, he's pitched five innings, uh, one game started, six hits, four runs, four earned, no walk, seven strikeouts. It's a 7.20 ERA and a 1.20 whip. Now, I know at 7.20 ERA does not look good, but actually, over the course of last week, he has the lowest FIP. He got very, very, very unlucky against the Twins. He did. I mean, he struck out seven guys in five innings. That is very impressive. That is why I'm giving him my play of the week because, yes, Chris Archer is exciting. Yes, he's exciting that he came over from the race. And just the strikeout and the nasty slider that he has, it gets you excited, and that's why – I'm giving it to my guy, Chris Archer. All right, rookie of the week uh, goes to the Red Beard, Colin Moran. He was 250 on the week, three for 12, and an RBI. He hasn't really played much this week, uh, just because we've been facing a lot of lefties, and he probably won't end up playing this weekend because they got uh, Tyler Chatwood tonight. Um, I think Monty tomorrow. So two more lefties, and that means Colin Moran won't be playing. But he did. He did have a single last night. So that brought him from 2 for 11 to 3 for 12, and that 250 average. Um, it's starting to seem more like Colin going to be a average hitter than a power hitter, but he still does have some power in that bat, and he still does have an exciting bat. Um, and listen, it's still his rookie campaign, so we don't know what the full Colin Moran is. Um, but it will be exciting to see as the season progresses where he goes with the swing, where he goes with his power, so on and so forth. Our, our goal of the week goes to David Freeze. He's had 16 total chances, made 12 assists, 
Four putouts, and it's been a part of one double play. No errors. And last year, David Freeze, fantastic. He was one of the National League third baseman uh, gold glove finalists. And the funny thing is, in the National League, who's going to win the gold glove at third base? It's Nolan Arenado. And it's not that difficult to find out because Nolan Arenado is the best third baseman we may have ever seen play the game of baseball. So it's good to see who won the finalist. I like to see that. And David Freeze was a finalist last year, meaning he was one of the best third basemen in baseball. And David Freeze is an excellent defender, makes excellent plays, made some great plays last night. Um, his bad thing coming on alive, too. So lots of very exciting stuff for David Freeze. And, you know, it was a bad week. We did go one in five. But some of these players... They get you excited. They get you ready for next week as we continue to push towards October and to push, more importantly, to getting back to 500 tonight. That is the most important thing. Take it one game at a time, and we'll see where the one game at a time mentality can take us to. All right, so we're going to segue now into our main topic of the show, and that's talking about Kyle Crick. My guy, Kyle Crick. And the Pittsburgh Pirates, they acquired reliever Kyle Crick this offseason for Andrew McCutcheon, and he's had a solid year in terms of ERA and runs allowed per nine. However, there are some differences in estimators. Kyle Crick this season has posted a 2.36 ERA for the Pirates in 47 and two-thirds innings. He's locked down the eighth inning for the Pirates, posting a 2.63 ERA in 27 and a third innings. And along with Felipe Vasquez, he has helped the club post a 52-1 record when leading after seven innings. ERA, or runs allowed per nine, isn't the best judgment of a true pitcher's talent. The goal is to figure out what a pitcher's ERA, runs allowed per nine, is, and try to get their true talent level. So I'm going to give you some different run estimators of Crick, and there are some differences. So Crick has pitched 45 and two-thirds innings with a 2.36 ERA a 2.83 FIP, a 4.28 XFIP, a 2.76 runs allowed per nine, and a 4.73 DRA. So let's get into FIP. So fielding independent fit pitching, or FIP, is the most commonly used run estimator. It is based on the assumption that pitchers have zero control on batted balls that the defense can play. By ignoring the defense, the assumption is that the batted balls in play will be at a league average rate over a period of time. The formula is simple. You take 13, you multiply it by the amount of home runs, you add it to three times the walks and the hit by pitch, minus the strikeout rate times two, divided by innings pitch plus a fifth constant, with the constant changing year to year to match the run scoring environment. It's on the ERA scale, making the comparison simple. Crick's ERA should really be around 2.83. The main benefit for Crick here is the allowance of only one home run in 45 and two-thirds innings. Add in the above-average strikeout rate, and FIP shows that Crick has been really good. The one downfall is the assumption that all in-balls in play will be average and that all quality of contact is the same. A pitcher with a lot of soft contact and ground balls will likely be better than a pitcher with a lot of hard contact and fly balls going forward assuming the numbers in the formula are the same. FIP is best used to describe what should have happened over what will happen. 
But it's an easy calculation on describing how a pitcher's ball is in play what they will have compared to a league and what to expect going forward. So let's talk about XFIP. Expected fielding independent pitching, that's XFIP, is another ERA estimator. That, like FIP, is used to estimate what should have happened. It ignores defense, and instead of actual home runs, it uses the league average home run per fly ball rate. The formula for XFIP is 13 times your fly ball times the log of the home run divided by the fly ball percentage. Then you add that to three times your amount of walks and hit by pitch. You subtract that to two times your strikeouts, and you divide that by innings pitch plus your FIP constant. So FB is fly balls, and the FIP constant changes year to year for the changes in run scoring environment. Based on the formula, Crick should have a 4.28 ERA, assuming that he will regress to a league average home run per fly ball rate. But XFIP relies, one, on the assumption that pitchers have no control on their balls in play, two, no control on the quality of contact, and three, that all pitchers will regress to a league average home run rate. Stringer data is also needed for XFIP for the fly balls, and there is some bias in that to begin with. XFIP is based on one year worth of data, and it's in no form better to use over a projection on how a pitcher will pitch going forward. It's not a projection or a forecasting system. Like FIP, assuming that the pitcher has zero control on the balls in play and their results isn't an accurate description. So let's look at DRA then. Deserved run average. That's DRA. Is baseball prospectus's runs allowed per nine estimator. It is more reliable and predictive as FIP, along with having the same descriptive power as the same uh, season ERA that FIP, and runs a lot per nine, which is DRA. DRA uses a mixed model to estimate the pitcher's true talent level, controlling for park, opponents, and others. It's more complicated than FIP, but being more reliable and predictive. Next season's ERA uh, slash runs allowed per nine makes it a better measurement. Cricks estimated that he should allow 4.73 runs per nine, 1.2 more runs per nine than his runs allowed per nine. So what has caused the big difference? Here's a breakdown of the components where negative is good and are all are counting statistics. So Crick has pitched 45 and two-thirds innings. His DRA is at 4.73. His DRA SD is at 0.71. His NIP runs is at negative 0.20. His hit runs are at 0.4. And his out runs are at 0.9. Not in play, that's what NIP is, Runs is modeled off the strikeouts, walks, hit batsmen. Crick has saved negative 0.2 runs in not allowing the ball in play. That stems from his above average strikeout, that 25.4%, and swing and strike rate, 11.1%. And this comes with a below average walk rate. But the model has Crick saving runs because of his ability to get strikeouts. Hit runs measures the amount of damaging hits, mainly coming in the form of extra base hits. Baseball Prospectus defines hit runs as, and I quote, hit runs is the sum of the pitcher's run value in giving up home runs, triples, doubles, infield singles, and outfield singles, with each of those being separately modeled, end quote. So this ties into outruns or giving the typical ball and play outs. Both of these 
favor soft contact inducing ground ball pitchers. Crick is not a ground ball inducing pitcher, having a below ground ball rate at 37.2%. Crick is model times below average ability to keep the ball away from the fence. These are different ERA runs allowed per nine estimators, presenting different degrees on how far off Crick has been. Ranking them, they likely go in order of DRA, FIP, and XFIP, as allowed to assume the pitcher has no ability to control contact and balls in play. In terms of going forward this season, Crick is a projected 4.15 ERA by Steamer, 3.81 by Zips, and 4.15 by Pakoda. Crick's having a good season, striking out batters at an above average rate and lowering his walk rate. By FIP, Crick is about where he should be, but he has only allowed one home run despite not being a ground ball pitcher. By DRA, Crick should be worse based on the modeling for the run values on the hits he allows and the pitcher's contributions to get out at each position. So just as a note, all these numbers were from Vangas and baseball prospectus. So we're going to talk a little bit about one of my favorite Pirates prospects, and that is Kevin Newman. So on Thursday afternoon, the Pittsburgh uh, Pirates announced that they placed shortstop Jordy Mercer on the disabled list with a left calf strain and selected the contract of infielder Kevin Newman, their sixth. So to make room for the 2015 first-round pick, uh, the Pirates designated for assignment pitcher Casey Sadler and demoted catcher Jacob Stallings. Without a doubt, all of those moves make the Pirates better. Mercer has contributed well for the Pirates this year offensively. However, his defense has been regressing all year. So in his time away, the Pirates should make Newman the everyday shortstop. He is the best all-around shortstop on the Pirates roster, even when Mercer is healthy. He simply needs to be on the field. While the Pirates are technically not out the playoff hunt, the odds are stacked against them. So let's get into a Jason Rawlson tweet. So he said, I'm just now getting to it, but here we go. Time for the lunch hour Pirates poll. Assuming not 89 wins gets a wild card in the NL, the Pirates have to go 28 and 13 the rest of the way to hit that mark. Is that doable? 22% said yes, 48% said no, and 30% said hell no. So even if they continue to stay in the mix, Newman is the best option. He's offensively solid. In AAA, Newman slashed for a 302 average, a 350 OBP, and 758 slugging in 82 games. As an Indianapolis Indians leadoff hitter, he's drawn 31 walks, stolen 28 bases, and driven in 30 runs. If there's one thing the Pirates have needed all year, it is a true leadoff hitter. Corey Dickerson has done a fine job as a Pirates leadoff man, but he would be better served in the five or six spot of the lineup where he can drive runners in. Newman should be the leadoff hitter for the rest of this year and beyond. His ability to draw walks and steal bases make him an ideal player to head the Pirates lineup. He's defensively versatile, too. In spring training, the Pirates asked Newman to learn how to play second base to add to his versatility. Since then, he's played both positions in Indianapolis. This season, he's logged 328 innings at short and 179 innings at second base. Not surprisingly, he's performed better at his natural position, making just two errors at short compared to three in just over half the innings played at second base. While the Pirates aren't going to trade either Josh Harrison or Mercer in August, they need to let Newman see the field consistently. 
Mercer's all but gone after this season, and it is likely that Harrison will be dealt this offseason. Plus, it's not a situation where Newman is a downgrade. Outside of Mercer and Harrison's power upside, Newman is a better defender, better overall hitter, and base runner. It's no secret that manager Clint Hurdle likes to get creative with his lineup cards. If the team is serious about Newman getting good reps in the major league level, he'll need to make things happen and find a way to have Newman in the lineup at least four to five nights a week. So the dilemma with Kevin Newman is that we have a Danny Echeverria. But listen, a Danny Echeverria has a name. He has the profile of the better shortstop than Kevin Newman. Kevin Newman's only appeared in a couple major league games. He hasn't even had an A-B. Just pinch run in the defensive replacement. But we have to start playing him four to five days a week. Kevin Newman has to be the primary shortstop, and Danny Echeverria can be the secondary shortstop. He can play two to three days a week. And with Jordy Mercer being out with his left cast rein and no word on when he will be back, it is important that right now, more than ever, we are playing Kevin Newman every single day. Because when Jordy Mercer comes back, He's probably going to be the starting the everyday shortstop. And Jordan Mercer is all but gone in 2019. Josh Harrison, as I say, is probably going to get dealt. So if you're looking to 2019 and you're looking to the future, Kevin Newman is that future. If you're looking to 2019 and you're looking to the future, Kevin Newman is the shortstop of 2019 and the future. Now, where do you go at second base? Plug Adam Frazier in there. And the infield for 2019 looks a lot like Colin Moran at third, Kevin Newman at short, Adam Frazier at second, and Josh Bell at first. That's what the infield of 2019 is starting to shape out to look like. Kevin Newman is exciting. He's a very good player. And we did a comparison on the show a couple weeks back where we said, Kevin Newman reminds me a lot of Matt Duffy of the Tampa Bay Rays. That's what Kevin Newman can be. And Matt Duffy is a very good player. Kevin Newman should be the leadoff hitter every single day, and he should be starting at shortstop every single day. Listen, guys, we're 61 and 62. We're under 500 at this point of the season, and it's August 18th. Six and a half back of the Brewers for the wildcard spot. That's not impossible, but as the poll said, most people don't believe that it can happen. And it probably won't happen. That's the reality of the situation. We've lost five row, one in five of the past week, and we've got the Cubs for two more. We're still going to keep fighting. We're still going to keep pushing for Bucktober. We're still going to keep pushing to get back to that point. But if we want to put the best guy in the lineup, if we want to put our lineup in the best place to succeed, there has to be a change. You cannot get shut out two times two games in a row, and not make a change. Kevin Newman needs to be batting leadoff tonight, and he needs to be the starting shortstop for the Pittsburgh Pirates. If Danny Echeverria is great, and if Danny Echeverria can be a good pinch hitter off the bench, and he can be a good defensive replacement when needed late in games. But Kevin Newman is a better hitter, probably not a better fielder, but provides more defensive versatility than Danny Echeverria does. 
Edge can play second and third, but Kevin Newman has more experience at second in 2018 than Edge does. So the question is, will Glenn Hurdle do it? Will he actually put Kevin Newman as a short, starting shortstop atop the lineup every day? All right, so the Pirates, they've lost five straight games. They've fallen to under 500 with last night's one nothing loss to the Chicago Cubs. They are now 61-62 and on the season and six and a half games back of the second wild card. The San Francisco Giants have an identical record, and the Washington Nationals are one game above us. In case you're wondering, the Pirates fell to 11 games back of the division lead with last night's loss. Avon Nova pitched well two nights ago, allowing just one run in six and two-thirds innings on an Ian Happ home run. The offense was lifeless, though as the Pirates could only scatter six hits, none of which were for extra bases. Kevin Newman made his Major League debut, entering late in the game as a defensive replacement. He did not appear at the plate. I would imagine he will get a chance to start at some point in the series. The Pirates' play over the last week has been reminiscent of the awful play earlier this season in May and June. When the Pirates score runs, the pitching falls apart. When the pitcher locks it down, the offense falls asleep. The Pirates faced yet another lefty last night when Cole Hamels took them out for the Cubs. In his Cubs debut against the Pirates prior to that, Hamels tossed five shutout until striking out nine, and he pretty much did the same again. Trevor, Trevor Williams started the game for the Pirates last night. He last faced the Cubs on April 12th when he threw six innings of one-run ball and a win. He threw seven innings of one-run ball. Saturday and Sunday will feature more left-handed starters from the Cubs when Tyler Chatwood and Jose Quintana take the hill. The Pirates have had not much luck against lefties this year. So, we're fading fast at this point. We're not taking a slow fade. We're not. We are fading very, very fast. It's starting to get to that point where it's like, do we play the young guys? Do we maybe look to trade off veterans? It's at that point. So to close out the show here, um, we're going to do a little thing that I, I like to call, uh, we're just going to talk about all-around baseball. And I want to talk about the Urania, who suspended six games for hitting Acuna. So Major League Baseball on Thursday suspended right-hander Jose Urania six games for intentionally hitting Braves rookie um, Ronald Acuna Jr. with a pitch on Wednesday night at SunTrust Park. On his first and only pitch of the night, Urania plunked Acuna on the left elbow with a 97.5 mile per hour fastball, which set off a benches clearing incident that interrupted the four game series finale in which the Braves rallied to a 5 2 victory. Urania was slapped with an undisclosed fine, but he's pointing to appeal his suspension that starts on Friday when the Marlins face the Nationals on Friday at Washington. If he appeals, Urania would be in line to face the Yankees at Marlins Park either on Tuesday or Wednesday, and then possibly drop his appeal since the Marlins play the Braves the following weekend. Right? So, in an Instagram post late Thursday night, Urania said his intentions were never to hurt anyone, just to stick to his plan and pitch his usual game. He's happy and thankful that Acuna was able to return to the lineup on Thursday without any problems. Translated, the post read, quote, while pitching against Braves, my intentions were not to hurt anyone. I was pitching my game as I always do. Unfortunately, things escalated into something that was never intended. I am glad and thankful Ronald Acuna was able to return to the lineup this evening without there being any issues. 
I'm a competitor and want to compete anytime I am on the mound. I have the utmost respect for those who I compete against, end quote. So MLB also suspended the Braves first base coach, Eric Young Sr., for one game plus an undisclosed fine for his actions during the incident. <clears throat> so during a heated exchange between the clubs, Braves manager Brian Snicker and Urania were ejected. So here's a quote from uh, Don Mattingly. He says, obviously this is not something that we represent or believe in as an organization or myself too. That was Marlins manager Don Mattingly said of intentionally throwing at Acuna. He said, I would never want that kid getting hit and cause that kind of problem. The Marlins clearly understood why the Braves took exception. Mattingly said, I understand, yeah. If we were on the other side and our guy was hitting homers all over the place and that happens, you're going to be fired up, so you understand. Irvinia maintained after the game that the pitch wasn't with intent and that he was throwing a two-seam fastball that ran well inside. Irvinia said, I think for me, I feel pretty bad. People get upset and things like that, but I got upset too. Because how am I going to wait five days to go out there and make one pitch and get kicked out of the game? It doesn't make sense, right? Always I throw inside. That's my way for me to get out. I go inside, try to take advantage, and try to move the batter's feet. And that's the thing. So Acuna remained in the game to run the bases after being hit by the pitch. But after heading out to left field for the start of the second inning, he experienced discomfort and was removed from the game. X-ray and CT scan results came back negative on Acuna's elbow. And the 20-year-old rookie was in the starting lineup on Thursday for Atlanta series opener with the rookies at SunTrust Park. He went one for four with a single and a stolen base as the Braves fell 5-3. to three. Urania has a history of hitting batters. This season he's plunked 11, which is the most in the National League. A year ago, he paced the major with 14. Manley said, if you watch Jose pitch, pretty much the first pitch of every game is pretty much there. We talked with Jose right after the game, and basically he was saying, he knows the guy has been swinging the bat good. He was trying to get one close. He wasn't trying to run it off in there, and that was the purpose of his pitch. That's exactly what he told us. I was I had talked with him before that. It was like, this kid is swinging the bat good. We've got to figure out how to get him out, right? So Acuna has been one of the hottest hitters in the league, becoming the youngest player to homer in five straight games. Against the Marlins, the rookie from Venezuela belted four home runs, including leadoff blast in each of the first three games. After the benches cleared, Marlins third baseman Brian Anderson, standing on the mound to help maintain peace, was shoved by Young. After and Derek Dietrich, so he was sorry he reacted that way. Anderson said, it's understandable. In this game, people are very passionate about baseball as well they should be. If something happens, you kind of understand when tempers fly a little bit when something like that happens. It's baseball for as long as this game's been around. It's probably going to continue to happen. So we just have to try to de-escalate the situation when something like that happens and do the right thing. Acuna is one of the top young stars in the game. And a big reason the Braves are in first place in, in a tight battle with the Phillies and the National League East. JT Romuto said, of course you don't want to ever see that happen, especially to a first place team trying to make the playoffs and one of the hottest hitters in the league. In the league. You never want to see anyone get hurt like that. Our intent was to pitch him inside. That's Jose's strength. And that's his weakness right now. The, that's really the one way to get him out. We were trying to go sinker in, and he lost it. So the question becomes about the situation, was it intentional? Did Jose Urania intentionally hit Ronald Acuna Jr.? And my answer to that question, to be honest, is no. 
Leading the statements from Urania and JT Rumuto, who know the situation better than the Braves and Ronald Acuna Jr. And looking at some stuff, I mean, Ronald, uh, Jose Urania has hit a major league high 11 guys, and he's a similar pitch to that inside of the first pitch of every game. Yes, it was a harder pitch. It was one of the hardest pitches he's thrown all season. When you're facing Ronald Acuna Jr. and you're amped up like that, you are going to throw a harder pitch. You are going to try to get it more inside than on a normal player because Ronald Acuna Jr. is not a normal player. He is a special player. And you have to treat him with that special treatment. No, Urania wasn't trying to hit him. He said it himself, and Real Muto said it himself. They're just trying to get him inside, jam him, because that's how you can get him out, and that's the only way you can get him out at this point. Because Acuna Jr. is good. He is very good. I don't think Urania should be suspended six games for this. I think he should win his appeal. It's just an interesting story. It's an interesting case. That's just about going to wrap it up for our show today. Thank you all for tuning in to another episode of Bucko Booth. It was week seven. We'll try to get our buddy Jared on next week from Pirate Song. Uh, <clears throat> introduce himself so we can move forward with uh, Bucko Booth. Anyway, I'd like to thank all of you for tuning in. Uh, it's been a pleasure doing this for you on this Saturday morning. No matter how you're doing this, live, archived, on Apple uh, Podcasts, on the Blog Talk Radio website, whatever way you're doing this. I appreciate it. Please make sure to give our host a follow on Instagram, Jared at Pirates.Strong, myself at Bucks Dugout, and hey, Bucko Royale, Pirate Scavenger Hunt is today. Me and my brothers will be doing that. Very exciting times. Um, we'll see if we can get that legendary loot uh, and the common loot, too. So it's been a pleasure. Hope you guys all have a great week. We will see you next Saturday. As always, let's go Bucks and choke Cubs.